Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Oh, yeah. Mm. Mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts. How do we like our martial arts? We like them mixed. Apart. <laughs> Speak for yourself, pal. Keep them apart. Speak for oh, yourself. Oh, yes. What is up, my friends? Oh, man, we have got a good one on our hands today. Welcome to the UFC London preview show here on MMA Fighting. We are so happy to have you. Appreciate y'all for tuning in. I am Sean Oshadi. I'm joined by my guys, the Prince of Positivity, Alexander Kaylee. And of course, Mr. No Gray Area himself, the new host of BTL, maybe part-time. Oh, that's we'll right. Absolutely, I've taken uh, over. <laughs> and we got the undefeated EKC Layden, man in the boards as well. You already know. In the new digs as well. New house. Congratulations, sir. Uh, and fellas, we are back on the scene all over again. It was just four months ago. Tommy Aspinall and the UK fighters burned London's O2 Arena to the ground. Uh, one of the wildest, most entertaining events of the year. And now we're right back here, running things back. Tommy Aspinall, cohorts, back once again. And a lot of familiar faces on this card really tomorrow. Like a lot of the kind of the same characters we just saw last time out. You got Aspinall, you got Patty Pimblett, Molly McCann, Paul Craig, Muhammad Mahayev. The list just goes on. But we got some new faces as well, right? We got Curtis Blades in the main event. Jack Hermanson, Chris Curtis, Cole Main. We got Gustafson on this. Vulcan Ozdemir. Lots to like here. So I'm going to start right there, Jed. It's rare that sequels are ever better than the originals, right? We were just here a couple months ago. One of the best events of the year. When you look at what we have in front of us on Saturday, do you like it more or do you like it less than Marge's offering? Like, is this a chance to be an Empire Strikes Back type of sequel, or are we looking at more of like a Rise of Skywalker type of thing here? Which one was Rise of Skywalker? Was that the second the of the? the last it was the last. Oh. One. It was the worst movie ever made. It was the last one. Oh, I really hated the first one of that trilogy too. So the second one was great, um, which oddly goes against the point you're making here. But I don't think this is going to be Empire Strikes Back. This is not the Godfather two. But also it's hard to judge, right? Because like we we know what UFC London 1 was because it, it's already happened. That's how time works. 
Uh, and it was awesome. <laughs> Everything about it was great. Uh, all of the things that you would want to happen for an event location like that, like happened and just, it was just a bunch of incredible performances outside of, you know, if Patty Pimblett had just won a decision, that's still the right outcome, but it's not that exciting. But the way Patty Pimblett, the way Molly McCann, the way, you know, the, the big man, Tommy Aspinall, Tommy Aspinall, Tommy Aspinall. the way he, that all went down. Yeah, that was that was iconic. That was everything you wanted. It. It's really hard for me to imagine that this top set, especially because I think there's like a non-zero chance that all of them lose this weekend. Oh. <laughs> so like, I'm not predicting it, but like, there's definitely a world where that's a thing that could happen here. These are more, the fights are more competitive. You know, Tommy Aspinall is fighting Alexander Volkov. We thought that was going to be a good test for him. It ended up being he passed with flying colors. Now he's fighting Curtis Blades. I would be stunned if Tommy Aspinall looked as good as he did against Alexander Volkov against Curtis Blades. Not that he can't win, just that I would be absolutely flabbergasted because nobody stunts all over Curtis Blades like that. So I think these fights might be better in some senses, but I don't think we're going to get the same highlight reel after highlight reel after highlight reel just because the law of numbers. You know, it's tough to predict any card's going to have two decisions on it or whatever stupid number of few decisions they had in the first one. So I think it's still going to be a great night of fights, though. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, AK, you're you're known to rate a card here or there just a little bit. I mean, when you when you look at, at what the UFC's put together for our Saturday morning here, which, by the way, I, I am loving this run of morning events. This is fantastic if we can get I can't, this going. I can't believe how much better this is for you because it's still great for me but like i just think oh. when you say morning i'm like man i would love to wake up to fights that would just be divine i did it I'm today actually, one championship baby one championship baby your boy Rain of the my hitter. boy he hitting the hitter is about to get ranked in two rankings for me this upcoming month shouts but that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> it is not at all. And I already see the stink face that uh, AK is making. So let's go back to the point. I mean, AK, you, you, you rate a card here or there. You dabble a little bit. Yes. What, what are you giving this one? I mean, look, listen, I, I, it's, it could be up to like a 9.6, 9.7. I mean, that is, that is how high we're going to go. But I'm like Jed. I mean, it's going to take a lot to hit that. It's going to take a lot of like what we saw in the first trip to London, where it has to be the right winners uh, that get the home crowd going. They have to win in a spectacular way. Uh, it has it, it, the wins could have ranking implications, at least as far as like Tom Aspinall goes. So yeah, very high potential. Do I think it'll reach that potential? I mean, I'm the prince of positivity. I'm the eternal optimist. Uh, so I want to say yes, but I really that was like you know that was uh, lightning in a bottle, right? I mean, g- good job by them, uh, by the UFC matchmakers and for the fighters involved to to have this all lined up and and again just kind of even create the chance of making all that magic happen again, but it's tough. I mean, these are tougher challenges than they were last. Like this is, this is how you do a sequel though, right? You, the, the challenges are escalated. The, the danger is greater, but the rewards could also be greater. If in the end, the, the heroes, the, you know, I'll say the, uh, the London based, uh, and UK fighters on this card, uh, prevail, then, uh, boy, then, then it could surpass the original, but a lot has to go right for it to do that. It still, again, looks like an amazing card. I'm super excited about it. I have, uh, I have made a poll. I have oh. made a poll. Okay. Uh, uh, it's how a fantastic poll. Maybe how your best poll you? you've ever done. <laughs> this is Let's how you know honest. I haven't slept much in the last twelve hours because I was up, by the way, doing the live 
UFC uh, covering the live UFC London weigh-ins, and I don't champion. regret it. You're, you're and, a real. Champion. I don't regret it. By the way, I and, will say for the people, the people, the people don't realize. I was like, AK, you don't need to wake up to do these weigh-ins. It's extremely early for you. And he actually actively threatened and then no, insulted I, me until I let I him do it. To. It was ridiculous. That, I want that to. That sounds like the AK I know. I may have said some unkind words about the Phoenix Suns. It was Sun, to it go personal. To go into letting me do it. Uh, the poll is, how excited are you for UFC London? Uh, pip, pip, cheerio. Uh, <laughs> Pepper and your tea, governor. Fly me. And bollocks! Uh, I don't actually know what these answers correspond to. I like. I think I kind of put them in order of like you know, top would be best. At, but I don't. Re- I don't really know. I, it's kind of random. So go with your heart, whichever answer, and I will read out the results at the end. So pip pip cheerio, uh, leading early on. I assume that's a good thing. I think people are excited for the card. I, I'm I can't assuming tell that- that's like a vaguely offensive or not. To, to it definitely. Fans, but- oh, I apologize to <laughs> oh, all the he- London UK <laughs> viewers. I am so sorry. Man, you're on one today, AK. Corey Sanhagen at the at the press conference. That was bad. That guy looked like Corey Sanhagen. <laughs> this is what happens when That's AK a, is on no sleep. It's an inside joke with me and AK, but I found it. Uh, so, so generally, I mean, let's dive into it because we set the table a little bit here. But at the top of the card, it is a familiar man. It's the man who really like brought all this back, right? It was Tommy Aspinall show. He's certainly March. claiming to be the guy to do it. When you have a song written about you, you can claim whatever you want. Frankly, I don't have a song written about me, so I got nothing. I mean, he is one of the most active heavyweights in the UFC now, one of the best damn prospects we have in this whole division. You look at it, post-fight opponents is galore, right? Four of his last five. Uh, he just subbed Volkov in less than a round last time out. And this is a big one, fellas, because, I mean, Curtis Blades, once you get through Curtis, there really isn't much farther that you can go in this heavyweight division without your s- sniffing the title. And, and Tom Aspinall has been very upfront. Uh, throughout all of these past few years about wanting to take the slow road, wanting to take his time. He's mentioned even a couple different times that he felt like Curtis was always going to be sort of the toughest matchup for him in this division. And it's here now. Uh, So AK, I mean, do you like this matchmaking? And when you look at this fight, like what do you see for both sides? What's sort of at stake in this whole thing? Yeah, I mean, what a smart move by by uh, Aspinall. I mean, look, it's a tough matchup. It's not if I'm whatever his uh, management or whoever you know helps to guide his career. I probably would have said like, don't fight this guy yet. But as you just said, Shaheen, he knows he has he's probably going to have to fight this guy someday, especially if he wants to get a title shot. I mean, there's other routes, there's other guys he could have taken on. He could have waited out maybe some winners of um, some other upcoming fights that are happening. But the London card came up. He's got it. He wants to be in the headliner. He needs a headline worthy opponent. Blades is the guy. Um, now, I think it's a obviously a very difficult matchup for him, as Blades is for anyone, but certainly not unwinnable. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Aspinall has been slightly favored, right? Yeah, he's been the slight favorite, I think, for a while. I don't know if it opened that way, but that has been the case. Uh, and that's a reasonable – I think that's a reasonable line. Uh, he's looked amazing. Uh, as, as much as we say, like, oh, well, c- can he beat a guy like uh, Blades – Man, no one saw him submitting Volkov. I mean, maybe beating him, you know, certainly winning winning against Volkov, but submitting him, no one had done that in I think twelve years, eleven years before uh, before Aspinall had done it. Only three people have ever done it, and Volkov has fought like forty times. So as far as proving people wrong uh, go uh, goes, I mean, Aspinall is very good at it. And even if he loses, he lost to a top five guy. You know, it, sure, it'll set him back. It'll be dis- it'll put a, a disappointing end to this card, kind of like we were saying, like man, like. A lot of these things had to go right for it to match the excitement of the previous UFC London trip. But it might hurt in the short term. In the long term, it's one of those losses, I feel like, 
uh, will benefit him, assuming he doesn't just get like rocked in like thirty seconds or something. But if he like if, if he loses like a grinded out decision to to Blades, there's no shame in that. Blades is really, really, really good. So it might not be again uh, an ideal situation. It might be a tough loss for him to take at this point in his career. But it's not anything that that uh, that ruins his chances of ever becoming a UFC title contender. And if he wins. He's he's suddenly there faster than I think any of us would have thought he was going to get to uh, to that point. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, AK, and and you actually hit on it a bit there. I mean, Jed, you're a bit of a gambling man. Uh, AK dabbles in ratings. You so, maybe dabble so a little bit. AK dabbles in the gambling too. We've we've got him. No, hypothetical. That's true. You have you have no, something no, no. down with you. I've seen strictly this. hypothetical. That's how it starts, though. That's how it starts. That's how it starts. But. I will say, I mean, by the way, go check out this week's episode of No Bets Barred with Jed and our boy GC. If you haven't already, that's on the MMA Fighting Podcast Network. Great stuff. Maybe it'll make you some money. Maybe it'll lose you some money, but it'll be fun either way. That wasn't a ringing endorsement, by the way. I, I shouldn't have. No, that's that pretty true, though. It's probably a true <laughs> endorsement. <laughs> uh, I, I did like bad things this week on the show, so I can't endorse my own picks this week. <laughs> you know, it's one. <laughs> Now that's a tease. Go check out No Bets Bard. Uh, but AK, as I said, AK hit on it. I mean, Tom Aspinall and I have something in common this week because when you look at the betting lines, he was surprised to learn that he's the favorite in this one. And frankly, so was I. I mean, Curtis Blades has done everything in this division. He has fought everybody. He has really only lost to two people, Nganu and Derek Lewis. And he looked utterly ridiculous last time out right that chris, chris Dawkins fight it feels like he is really hitting his stride he's in his prime and yet here he is he is the underdog to tom aspinall even tom was surprised by this jed what do you make of this are you surprised i don't know i don't think so i it's not what i would have expected but it's not outside the realm of possibility right because he's getting he's getting the hometown bump like they they open this fight as a pick which feels like it shouldn't be just because one of these men like we know exactly what he is. And as Tom Aspinall loves to say, and I am not sure is true and is certainly annoying, even if it is true, we've only seen 10% of what he can do. Uh, if that's true, like we don't we have no idea what Tom Aspinall is as a fighter at this point. Uh, we we all pretty much know what Curtis Blades is, and it's really damn good. And so based on that, you would think Curtis would just get the deference of of having done it, of of it not being predictive, but people are pretty hyped on him. This opened as a pick'em, and it has the line has moved steadily towards Aspinall. I suspect it will keep moving that way, just because it's in London, you know. And I, I think that is, it, I'm not sure that Aspinall has a lot of advantages stylistically, but fighting in front of the London crowd, I think, obviously, is one of them. Uh, just he is he is going to be showing out if if the first iteration is any indication of what this guy is going to do in front of a hometown crowd, that his best is going to be on Saturday. And we don't know. Curtis Blades has, has never really done this sort of fight before, going into super enemy territory like this. So we're going to find out. So it's not like wildly shocking to me, but I I think Blades should be the favorite in this bout. I agree with you there 100%, but I will say, I mean, it is tough when you mention the Tom Aspinall, you've only seen 10% of me thing, right? Because... He might be true. Like usually that's that's lip service with these guys, but like dude hasn't really been out of the first round in any of these fights so far in the UFC. He has once and then he finished it in the second. So it's just He's like never seen a third round in his entire career. That's 
he might be right, you know? Like he might be right. He could be. But he, but it he goes the other too. way too, though. Like yeah. that's my other thing. It's like, all right, cool. I've never seen you fight past seven minutes. Can you do that? Yeah. Because I, you know who can? Curtis Damn Blades can fight after <laughs> seven minutes. That dude has no problem fighting for 25 hard. And we don't know that. And like, we're going to learn a lot, I think. And that's, you know, uh, to AK's point, totally reasonable to lose a fight to Curtis Blades. It absolutely is. The problem will just be that if he loses this fight to Curtis Blades, Tom can no longer say that we've only seen 10% of his game. <laughs> then he'll have to come up with a new standard line to just fire out there. I will say, though, one thing that I enjoy about Tom is he seems to be, as much as the 10% line maybe is lip service, but he does seem to be very self-aware in terms of just a lot of this, right? The grand scheme of things, uh, different opponents, their skill sets, his own skill set. He's been quick to point out this whole week, Curtis is more than just a wrestler. Uh, we saw it against Christakis. I mean, it seems to be there's flashes now of an evolution into this well-rounded mixed martial artist for Curtis Blades and that these are real, right? And if, if you put together a rankings of the most well-rounded heavyweights in the world, though, Tommy Aspinall might be starting to creep up that list. He, he feels like he'd be pretty high, damn high up on that list. I mean, five fights in the UFC, five finishes, two subs, three knockouts. He can wrestle, he can box, tremendous patience, tremendous decision-making. Like, it feels like Tommy is the whole package, but we don't know yet. Jed, stylistically, when you break this one down, what do you see? I, th I, I think this favors Curtis largely because of the what we know versus what we don't. Like, my my biggest questions for this fight are not can Tommy Aspinall stop takedowns because I'm sure he can do some defensive wrestling like he is he appears to be very good at, at the old fist fighting game. My biggest questions are what does he do when he meets an athletic equal because he hadn't met that yet. And for as good, I am not here to say that he did not technically stunt all over Alexander Volkov because his slips on the feet were tremendous. Everything he was doing was well founded, but a lot of it was simply he was moving in 1.5x speed to Volkov. And that is how, and you can't blame him for that, but I say all the time, athleticism is a cheat code in MMA, and especially at heavyweight. Andre Arlovsky has managed to still be a competent heavyweight well into his 40s and almost a full decade after we all thought he was washed, almost entirely out of a little bit of savvy and still being a plus athlete for the division. Like Tommy Aspinall has never fought a dude who can match him in the, in like the, that category and curse blades can. And so like, I don't know, we're going to find a lot of it out because maybe he does have 90% to show us. And there's a huge depth to his toolbox, but I'm just going to assume that he's not secretly the best heavyweight in the world and can do an infinite number of things. And so he is going to quickly run out of options when he can't just be faster and stronger and better than people. And then then it's like, all right, cool. You still have Curtis Blades on your hips dumping you. That sucks, doesn't it? Because I don't care how good you are at any aspect of fighting. Curtis Blades being on top of you, it's bad time. There's not a person on the planet yes. who wants to be taken down or is even comfortable being taken down by Curtis Blades. That just ain't the world. That is a large, large man. He's very yeah. big. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to roll up an arm bar on that dude. Like That's just not a thing you're going to do. So... Yeah. Uh, stylistically, I think a lot of stuff can come into play, but at the end of the day, I think Curtis should be able to do what he wants more. And if he can start doing that at all, I have no idea that Tom Aspinall can fight for 25 minutes and I super know Curtis can. Well, last thing on this, and then we'll make some picks. I mean, AK, 
this heavyweight division is kind of all over the place right now, right? I mean, none of us can really predict how this saga with Francis Ngannou is going to play out. Uh, it seems like John Jones and Stipe are the two guys who don't fight, but that's sort of still lingering. Uh, and then Taitu Ivasa and Cyril Gaon, that's going down in September in Paris. And you have to imagine there's some kind of title implications on the line for that too. So my question to you, I mean, is there a chance, a chance, any chance that the winner of this fights for some sort of title next, especially if it's Tom Aspinall, who doesn't sort of have that Francis Ngannou baggage hanging over them that maybe Curtis does. Any title, sort of title, whether it's interim or something, is there is that even on the line, do you think? Yeah, very good chance, very good chance. It just it just lines up so perfectly. And you got you got this great UFC London showcase for potentially for Aspinall. You've got a great UFC Paris showcase coming up potentially for uh Cito Gan. Cito Gan versus uh Tom Aspinall would be a hell of an interim title fight. I, I also don't mind like Tai Tuivasa versus Curtis Blades, though I think it's God. you know, I think I have to say UFC. you you just said you said Gone versus Aspinall, and I kinda got shivers there. That feels like yeah. a fight we're gonna see like four times in our life. That's, like sure. it feels a so young. <laughs> Also, that and feels a lot better than AK's next. Curtis I like. I, <laughs> listen, I, everyone knows you I want to watch a dude the, get wrestled to death. Cool. I have been very much on the tie to Ivasa as a legitimate heavyweight championship contender. I'm on that, all right, and I'm sticking by it. I was, I was, I was very aggressive moving up the rankings, and I don't apologize for it. Um, but yeah, but I mean, gone Aspinall would be ideal. One guy start coming out of London. One guy start coming out of Paris. Man, how amazing would that be? You could sell that anywhere. Again, you can sell that in one of their respective uh, home countries, or you could you could take it back to obviously Las Vegas, big fight in Las Vegas, something like that, or another venue. It, it's pretty easy to sell. It's pretty easy to sell. Personality wise, I don't know. Uh, mileage may vary there. They're both pretty kind of like soft spoken, thoughtful, mild mannered guys, um, which doesn't always you know uh, do well at the box office, but. I think there's enough of a highlight reel for both guys. I think there's enough uh, intrigue as far as like has, how good, like how good are these guys really? Um, like how far off are they from Francis Ngannou that you could like really sell it as a as a potential title fight? So I love that. I think it's a very good chance. And uh, and again, uh, for the Blade side of it, I really do think. He, listen, he's a guy who has been scraping at that title fight for so long. He just has had some really. Un, uh, untimely setbacks. The two losses to Ngannou. The second one really bad too. The second one, I think, if I remember, I don't remember if he was a favorite. I was certainly picking Blades to win the Ngannou rematch. Uh, Ngannou really impressed me, but knocked him out in 45 seconds. So one of those, I don't, I still don't know how far ahead Ngannou is, but he is up 2-0 in the series, and that's all that matters. And then the Derek Lewis fight, I thought also should have been a win for, a win for Blades. And he looked good in the first round before you know getting the uh, getting the, that Lewis clobbering. So. I, I don't think he's like a tough sell to sell as a world title contender. Again, not 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 as uh, sexy a product as Tom Aspinall is right now, but you could sell me on Blades Guy, you can sell me on Blades Tuivasa. So there's an excellent chance that we are seeing an unofficial interim title bout uh, eliminator here. Well, let's do it. Let's make some picks for this main event here. AK, where are you going? Yeah, I just like I I, I just think it's going the distance. Um, it is possible again. We see Blade slip on that proverbial banana peel one more time, and just gets like gets tagged by a really good like Aspinall combination, or uh, gets the worst of a scramble, and Aspinall can kind of like snag a submission, you know, surprise him with submission. Because if it goes to a decision, I just don't think Blades can lose there. Um, he never has. He's never lost a decision. It was the first time for everything. Like we said, you know, I didn't think Volkov would get submitted by Aspinall either. So if Aspinall if Aspinall went the distance and won a decision against Blades, that would be amazingly impressive almost more impressive than a than a flash ko or a flash sub 
But since I don't expect that to happen, I do think Blades is going to, I do think the wrestling is such a big difference. Aspinall is a great grappler, great grappler. It's just really tough when you're dealing with a guy with the intensity, with the motor of Blades, with a guy who knows how to use his size the way he does. Um, so I think he wins a decision and like, and a pretty convincing one at that. Not not like, a, oh, we just kind of hold him down. And there's a lot of ground and pound. I think we're going to be hearing a lot about Tom Aspinall's heart in the fourth and fifth round, it's like, oh, he's, he's hanging in there. We're seeing a lot of heart. Meanwhile, there's kind of like blood, you know, blood coming down one of his side of his face. And Not what you so, want. Not what you yeah, want. Yeah, so convincing decision win for Aspinall. But again, as we kind of have said multiple times already in this part, like that's just that's not anything, anything bad about Tom Aspinall or his prospects. I just think Blades is ahead of him right now. What do you think, Jed? You going with the underdog too? Yeah, I'm taking Curtis Blades. I... Uh... Most of what AK said really don't, don't need to add too much to it. Just I think Aspinall can have moments early because um, he's fairly quick-footed and he's he's a good boxer, uh, which I think is his biggest advantage in this fight because uh, Curtis Blades is a very rote boxer. Um, but I just kind of don't think it's going to matter. I think Curtis is going to double jab him and get an entry, and we haven't seen a lot of people stop Curtis Blades takedown, so I don't know. I'm just not. I'm not going to believe until I see Tommy, you know, stuff the head a bunch. I'm not going to, I'm not going to believe he can do it. And as I mentioned a bunch, uh, if I think Tom needs to win the first two rounds or put on a real showing in those, cause this fight's going to get real bad for him as it goes on. Uh, and I, I think Curtis is just going to start building a big lead, either a late TKO or just a dominant decision win. I got to say, I'm a little surprised. I, I don't know that I can remember a preview show where we were all unanimous on an underdog pick like this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in with you guys. I mean, to me, oh. since this since this fight was announced, since the line came out, and you know Aspinall was the favorite, I was a little just shocked, and I it was one of those like, is everybody else seeing what I'm seeing? Because you're right, I think Curtis Blades is perennially underrated. I again, if you've if you've been in the UFC this long in this heavyweight division, and you've only lost to Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou, like. You're pretty damn good, man. And Curtis Blades is just that guy that he he can't maybe get to the title shot, and you know the UFC is never really going to do him any favors. But he is a tough, tough out, and he feels like he is evolving every time we see him. I was really impressed by the Chris Dawkins win as well, and it just feels like this is a step too much, too soon, a little bit for Tom Aspinall. Because like you said, Jay, we just don't know. We don't haven't had a lot of these questions answered yet. He might be the best damn heavyweight in the whole world. Like that, that very well could be true. We might be talking about this tomorrow. Uh, is He's this not Francis Ngannou. We don't know. He might be. We don't know. But th- I think this fight will go a long way towards sort of informing us uh, along the way on that type of thing. I think it's great matchmaking. And I think, but when Tom Aspinall just even like a year ago says, "I see Curtis Blades as the hardest matchup for me in this division," that speaks volumes to me. So I will go with Curtis Blades as well. But. This is a great fight, and I am really, really excited because I think we're going to get a lot of answers when it comes to Tom Aspinall, but also kind of Curtis Blades, too, and his ceiling in this division and whether he can actually sort of put it together with this new crop of heavyweights coming up. Uh, Fellas, though, let's keep moving. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. 
It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, And let's actually jump around a bit on this card because... I want to hit the fight that has easily drawn the most interest this week from fans uh, in a very bizarre way. Um, you look at the numbers, though. You look at the engagement. You look at what people are talking about. And you look at all of it. And it's obvious Patty Pimblett and Jordan Levitt is what people, what eyeballs are on, right? Yeah. I have been in this game uh, for a bit, guys, for, for quite a while. And if I'm being honest, I don't know that I can ever remember a lead up quite like this. Um, lots of threats of twerking, lots of threats of teabagging. Uh, we even had Patty go in depth with an explanation of teabagging for the uninitiated. There's just a very, lot going very on Very gentlemanly here. of him. Very gentlemanly of him. <laughs> He's just helping the people out. Uh, there's a lot going on here. And Jed, I guess, what do you make of all of this? Whatever this fight has become. I guess first, just because I haven't seen anybody say it and I, I feel like it does bear needing bear being said. Patty Pimblett is the guy who made this happen. Like for as much as Tom Aspinall wants to take credit and he was the main event and he's the highest ranked fighter. The this is the Patty Pimblett show. It was the same last time. Like Arnold Allen was above him and people love Meatball Molly, but it is Patty Pimblett is the one who puts asses in seats and the people are here the most for. And if Tom Aspinall couldn't fight, this event would have happened for sure. Because as long as Patty Pimblett's here, he is the the stir, straw that stirs the drink. Uh, so, and he stirs the drink because it's interesting. Like, look, I'm not here to debate the merits of all the things that have been said <laughs> or whether you should go into a descriptive detail on, on the physics of teabagging. What I'm here to say is that that's far more interesting than Tom Aspinall repeating over and over that you've only seen 10% of his game or whatever the hell Charles Oliveira was doing at the pre-weigh-in press conference today. Those are not interesting people, and Patty Pimblett is absolutely interesting, and that's why eyes are tuned in. I also think it's hilarious because there's a really good chance he loses this fight, <laughs> which is going to be – I said it basically since this fight was announced. He could win, don't get me wrong. I He maybe should even be the favorite, but this feels to me like – the best laid plans of MMA promoters go awry in the worst possible moments. Think Kimbo Slice getting knocked out by pink-haired Seth Petrozelli on CBS. This feels like we've been trying to build Patty. We know Patty's not good, so it's a bit smoke and mirrorsy, but people love him. 
And then some, for some reason, Jordan Levitt comes in a guy who is unabashedly weird and <laughs> is threatening to twerk on him and will absolutely pop a split and twerk all over the desiccated corpse of Patty Pimblet. If he bolts him in there, it is that everything is lining up for this to be like the worst possible loss for Patty, which is why I think there's a real good chance it happens. Cause that's just how the sport works sometimes. So this is the fight that I'm the least interested from a nuts and bolts standpoint, but by far the most interested from a narrative standpoint. I've got to say Jordan Levitt has been such a revelation for this whole lead up. Like that dude is the best kind of weird in my, in my eyes. Yeah. Just like MMA, the, like the fight game in general loves oddities. They love oddballs. And like this dude is, he's reading a hundred books a year. Like he's obviously very intelligent. He's very learned in general. Like, the way he articulates himself, it, it, you could tell like he he's just someone who knows what's going on, but yet he's out here doing all of this these antics and just it's it's the best possible way that you could put a foil for Patty in a situation like this where it's this big London show, this big showcase. AK, are you entertained? Does this teabagging yeah. versus twerking war does this have you you interested? The man the man showed his ass. He showed his ass this morning. Uh, if anyone didn't see that, there's a clip on uh, MMA fighting. Not metaphorically. Uh, no, not metaphorically. Actually. He almost showed his entire ass. To, thank goodness uh, Sha- Sha- Shaheen was around with me, and I messaged him like, "Can we show this? Like, do I need? Do we need some sort of warning at the beginning? Because like, he pulled it down halfway, gave it a little smack, himself a little smack on his rear end. One for the haters, one for all those uh, the fat shamers out there. Everyone kind of poking fun at his, you know, his uh, pictures and videos from in between. Which, his by the way. Where- People are fat shaming you for a reason, Patty. Like you should not get that big if you're 155 pounds. But that's neither here nor there. Live, you know, live hey, your life, you, Patty. Yeah, if you can you, lose it, put it on. <laughs> don't worry at all about losing the weight. Worry about being a better fighter because that's the thing that's going to screw you in the end. Not tougher weight cuts. Oh, Christian life, Bale. Patty. Christian Bale like starves himself or puts what? on like 100 pounds <laughs> in between rolls, and he's a hero. Oh, he's oh Christian Bale's a hero, but Patty Pimbla can't do that. Um, yeah, I mean, whatever. Listen, he's a young guy. He, it, it's the sort of thing that maybe it'll come back to bite him someday, but he's never missed weight at lightweight. He had problems with bantamweight back in the day, obviously. I mean, he just got older. I think featherweight, I don't remember if he missed, but definitely there was a struggle there with featherweight. So he's missed, he has missed weight in the past, but not since moving up to 155. So 155 just might be kind of the perfect weight class where he, where he can play around with it. But anyway, that's secondary to the, the antics, as we talked about. There, look, you, I mean, start, I, I have been saying for a, long, a while, like, his star power has become so uh, disproportionate to his fighting ability that I think people are overlooking his fighting ability. I actually think he's I, – I still think like it wouldn't shock me if he became like a top 20, top 25 lightweight. He's not there yet. I mean he's certainly – certainly I wouldn't rank him uh, there in my rankings. But I, I've seen less uh, – I don't, I don't know, less talented, less sort of intriguing prospects than Patty uh, make it, you know – reasonably well in the lightweight division again it is the toughest division it is super deep um but patty's good and they've been doing a good job with the matchmaking now the levitt thing i think it's perfect i think it's perfect because i think yeah it would definitely suck if he lost this guy in london after was doing after how levitt has handled the trash talk um like i said levitt's kind of played this perfectly it, it would it would suck but also again if you lose jordan levitt jordan levitt is another um, guy i'm high on like jordan levitt i think could be a top 20 top 25 lightweight and who knows or even higher so there's no shame in it but from a casual point of view i completely understand why there's a lot of people out there who are like who have heard of patty pimblett have not heard of jordan levitt assume this is going to be patty rolling over it looks like that's where the money has gone i believe it's a two to one at least two to one favorite uh for in patty's favor more than that that's gonna, 
more now? Yeah, it's up to three to one now almost. Three to one. That's a little crazy. Again, I'm a Patty Pimblett fan, and I don't think he should be favored three to one against like anybody at this point in his career. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. And he's done good work in Cage Warriors. He's done good work in his first two UFC fights. But three to one, I, I, I guess Levitt, because he wasn't like dominant in his like most recent win, that probably skewed the line as well. But uh, the guy that uh, Levitt fought was tough as well, Trey Ogden. Trey Ogden's a tough out. Um, so it, it's I understand why the odds are the way they are. I understand why Levitt's being viewed the way he is. Uh, Pat, Patty has a lot more to lose here than Tom Aspinall. That's probably the best way to put it. We said, like, Tom Aspinall, if he loses Curtis Blades, there's no shame in it. It's not going to hurt him, his reputation that much. Pimblet, there's no shame in it, but it will hurt his reputation for sure. That that loss to Levitt, his drawing power is still going to be high. The, the cult of personality has still going to be big. But, uh, boy, being undefeated, I think, is, is really – uh, in the UFC, excuse me, being on a feed in the UFC is such a big, big, big thing for him uh, right now. And a three and zero start would be really good. Two and one, not not quite as appealing. So it could be the difference between whether we see Patty uh, remain a, a local attraction, you know, just wait for the next London card or a UK card, or if he wins, they decide to bring uh, bring the Patty Pimblet show over to the United States. Jed, man, I mean, this is another one, nearly three to one, like AK said. Uh, Patty Pimblett nearly a three to one favorite over Jordan Levitt. I think a lot of people still have doubts about Patty's ceiling here. I mean, both of you guys have mentioned, I think a lot of people just generally feel that way, but Jordan Levitt is like a perfectly fine UFC fighter. Like dude's only lost once in his career. Very good grappler. Had a couple really decent performances in the UFC. Three to one odds, man. Um, does that feel like an opportunity to you or does that feel right? Oh no, I'm on it. I've, uh, I've gone ahead and bet Jordan Levitt because, he shouldn't be a three to one favorite over a competent UFC fighter. Look, I'm I'm with AK to the extent that I don't know what Patty can be because he's still relatively young and fighters change all the time. If we had come in at I don't know uh, Rafael dos Anjos' career and he's 26, we would not have had any idea where he actually ended up going. Like that's just how development happens in different rates at different times. And Patty is relatively athletic and certainly has a foundation on which he could build. But he has a lot of problems, and he's not very good right now, and his stardom obviously outstrips his ability. And that has juiced this line to a place where it shouldn't be. He may well go in here and beat Jordan Levitt. Jordan Levitt is not an unbeatable person, and Patty is probably at least even on the grappling and probably at least even on the feet. So there's it, it just sort of becomes a tactics and trials thing. And we'll see how it goes, but he shouldn't be this big a favorite because dude got jawed by uh, Kazula Vargas or whatever. Like he's not Luigi Vendramini almost got him out of there. Like he should never be this big a favorite. And we'll get to it, I'm sure. Yeah, Shamali McCann. <laughs> it's just that's just sort of what what's happening at this fight card. So you know it is what it is. But we'll we'll find out because if he beats. This will be the best win of, of Patty's career if he comes in here and beats Jordan Levitt, I think. And if he does it really impressively, then maybe I'll start reevaluating or maybe he'll show some growth. But at some point, he is going to lose if he doesn't make big strides that we've yet to see. Well, we're going to make picks here in a second, but, but Jed, just play this out for me really quickly. Um, just in this world, this fantasy world of ours, there's a decent chance Jordan Levitt actually does this. Um, what is the scene like in London's O2 Arena? What is it going to look like if he chokes out Patty and then just does some really scandalous ish, like all over his unconscious body? 
uh, I'll be dying laughing back home in America. And I think the O2 will not be all that stoked about it. I got to be honest. <laughs> Just a little espe- bit. <laughs> especially little. because like, I'm not, we'll, uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but like there's a world where Molly McCann loses like a really nip tuck decision. That's not that interesting. And then Patty goes out here and, Molly's like sitting on the cage and sad because he's unconscious. It's probably just going to be not, there's going to be a lot of booze for sure. For sure. I don't think there's any way around that. And just to tie this back into the main event, because we didn't mention it all for as much pressure as there is on, on, you know, the visiting fighter to a hometown arena. If things are going poorly, if like a lot of the Brits have lost and then Tommy Aspinall is there thing, maybe that's a little pressure on him to deliver kind of the saving grace moment against a dude who is just going to tackle the shit out of him. So this could be a snowball rolling downhill in a really bad way for the British fans is what I'm getting at. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of beer being maybe thrown through the air. A lot of uh, fights in the crowd. Don't throw beer. I, I don't know. Don't throw beer through the air because you're never getting it to the cage and you're just bearing some poor schmuck in front of you. And that's awful. Nobody wants to have a beer tossed in their head from, not that that they didn't see coming. So don't throw beer. Just be sad. It's okay. They're not going to listen sad. to you. They're not going to listen to you, Judd. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's a better better way to handle that. Oh boy, AK. Is that the world we live in? I mean, make the pick. Where where are you seeing this going? I haven't done my official predictions yet. This is definitely one of the toughest ones to pick because I think it could go the distance. I think it could be controversial. If uh, my main man, Mike Heck, was here, that's what he would tell you. I believe it was on an episode of um, Heck of a Morning earlier this week where he was asked to predict the fight. And he said he thinks he thinks that Patty Pimlet might uh, eke out a hometown decision. Uh I don't know if I'm as confident of that. Like, I think I like I want to believe that whatever the decision is, it'll be a convincing one, not one that we're kind of debating over. Well, who am I saying? We love debating this stuff, but you know what I mean. For the for the sake of uh, clarity, I hope we're not debating it for too long. It's a really good match on paper. Like, I just love. I think both guys are really good grapplers. Patty may be a bit of a power advantage on the feet, but Jordan Levitt really knows how to use his. I, I think he knows how to use his range well. I'm gonna Man, this go. This is tough for you. This is tough for well, you. Well, it's tough because I, I mean, as long as listen, I like I said, I haven't done my predictions yet. So as long as I reserve the right to change it, uh, <laughs> which is weird because I always embed the, I always embed this uh, show into the. <laughs> no, it's, that's making it worse. <laughs> that's making it harder. Uh, you need to phone a friend. Uh, can I call you? Sure. Or you can just ask the audience. <laughs> then you get to make a poll. I oh, I should love polls. A, I'll do a poll. Okay. After this, I'll do a poll. Uh, listen, I, I, I'm supposed to be the Prince of Positivity, but I'm kind of leaning towards the crowd being uh, sent home a little bit unhappy after this one and uh, kind of casting up the result, maybe casting a pall over the remaining two fights. So yeah, I think, I think Levitt by decision and a convincing one, a convincing one. Um, might complain because Pimblet might have his moments. You know, he might land some hard shots in the feet, might have some moments where he kind of wins a scramble and gets a position, but can't really do anything with it. Because again, Levitt's ground game is so tricky. Um, but they might be like, you know, it's one such, oh, like oh, Patty was had it on top of him for like 90 seconds. He should have won that round. It'd be like one of those situations. So I think in the end, Levitt gets the better of the exchange on the ground. Uh, doesn't take any major, major damage on the feet outside of maybe a, couple, a few hard shots and uh, wins the decision and gets a twerk. Oh, man. 
Look at this. In in AK's world, the, the so-called Prince of Positivity, mm. the London crowd is just having a terrible, terrible night. Curtis Blades and Jordan Levitt coming in there. Uh, what about you, Judd? What do you think? I'm taking Jordan Levitt to win by submission. Look at I, this. Uh, oh I by no means think that's necessarily the most likely outcome, but I I think they're going to scrap a little bit on the feet, and then Patty is going to believe he is the superior grappler and he might be traditionally better but what ak said he said called jordan levitt's ground game tricky and i think that's really it he's a real he's a bit of an oddball uh, a little tricky on the floor and you unless you're used to rolling with guys who have sort of awkward games like that you can find yourself really caught into something just out of nowhere and even as confident as patty is and as good a grappler as he is i think he is going to get caught up in something that he is not quite expecting on the floor and Jordan Levitt, I, I've thought it basically since the fight was announced. It's like, that seems like a really bad, tough matchup for Patty. And so I'm going to stick with, with my guns there and say Jordan Levitt gets the tap. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'll give I'll give the London crowd a bone. This this to me feels like a 50-50 fight. And I do think, I mean, there, there is something to be said of Jordan Levitt has only fought in the UFC in the Apex. And this is about as far from the apex as he's going to get. And I think, and if when it comes, what down do you to a think 50, he's going to really care about that? I, at I think all? once you walk out to that sort of environment, Patty thrives in that environment. He's been in that environment a lot of different times, both in Cage Warriors and the UFC. There's something to be said of just being in that moment before and knowing what that's going to be like. Whereas Jordan, that's going to be something brand new to him. Uh, I think in a 50-50 fight, that is enough to sway me to pick Patty. Also, you, you do have a little bit of hometown cooking maybe where anytime Patty lands anything of significance, the crowd's going to go nuts. And anytime Jordan lands anything, the crowd's going to no sell it. And that plays into the judge's ears. That plays into the judge's eyes, even just, you know, not, they don't, it's not purposely, but it's just being a human being in that environment. You sort of sway one way or the other to that sort of a thing. So I think there's just factors that play in Patty's favor. And in a 50, 50 fight, that's enough to, for me to give it to him. I think he probably wins a decision. Uh, but this is this is gonna be interesting, fellas. This is gonna be this has the potential for real, real chaos, and I am here for chaos. Uh, quickly, let's look at the rest of this card. There's lots to like. Uh, we mentioned it. I mean, Hermanson Curtis is the co-main. That is very fun. Krylov Alexander Gustafsons awesome. on this. Uh, Molly McCann's on this. Uh, Paul Craig, Vulcan Ozdemir, AK's favorite, Vulcan Ozdemir. He's keeping Vulcan alive in our in our light heavyweight rankings on MMA fighting. You have Muhammad Hayev. My, my love for Vulcan is keeping Curtis out of our rankings. <laughs> Different divisions. Yeah, that's not the same division. Oh. I have nothing to say about that. <laughs> All right. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just keep Move on. Going. Move on. Uh, I think a I think a lot of people have Muhammad Hayev as a future title challenger, if not a future best, champion. Best best prospect in the whole sport. Full stop. So I'll just go right there. I mean, Jed, what what else is piquing your interest? Dude, the rest of this card rules. Uh I know we're not going to talk about the coming event because nobody actually cares about it, but I what? think Chris Curtis is about to stunt all over due to nobody's talking about this fight at all. Because it's not it's not Patty Pimblett, it's not Molly McCann, it's not Muhammad Makaya, it's not the Well, the, it's, it's the hard to outshine people. some of those fights, yeah. but I think Chris Curtis is very quickly becoming a fan favorite and just Dude, like a, a real rules. baby face to use a pro wrestling mm -hmm. term when it comes to this. Action Man rules. He's gonna stunt all over Jack Hermanson. That fight's gonna be great. I can't believe that fight's still a pick 'em. Absolutely shocks me. But the, I have two answers of the things that I care about the most. First is the main card opener. It's Paul Craig versus Volkan Ozdemir because I think that's the funniest fight by far. Um, because the funniest by by far. I don't even think it's 
close because Paul Craig really excels at getting hit in the face and then pulling a miracle <laughs> win out of nowhere. And Volkan Ozdemir also excels at losing out of at, at turning wins into losses. So that style matchup of is just comically amusing um, because I could see anything happening here. Like on paper, Volkan Ozdemir should be able to stuff takedowns and just punch Paul Craig in the face. But did you see the face-offs? That man is the most intense human being in the sport. Paul Craig is aggro and a half. He nailed the shirt rip. It was like one. Yeah. It was gone. That's a dangerous move too because if you mess it up and start taking forever Yeah. It is. No, he just shredded it. He just I don't believe in Paul Craig as a fighter. But I want to believe in him more than anyone probably in the sport. And I hope that this train that he is on of just submitting people like Krylov was beating him pillar to post and then just fell into a submission. It's just like, I don't know what kind of voodoo he has that can do it, but he could absolutely do that to Vulcan Ozdemir. Or conversely, Volkan Ozdemir is just going to slap him. <laughs> going to absolutely pine box this dude. So that fight is going to be fun. And then the other one, like if I'm just going pound for pound fun, that's the only fight I'm tuning into. But if the other fight I care the most about is Muhammad Makayev versus Charles Johnson. Charles Johnson is a good fighter. But like I said, I think Muhammad Makayev is the best prospect in the sport, full stop. Dude's 21, maybe he's 22 now. Uh, I, I will not predict that he breaks the Jose Aldo's record for youngest champion in history, but he has a chance. I, I think with him at this point, when you hear what everybody who trains with him talks about, you're Tom Aspen. I'll talk about it. When you see what he's done, when you know how much experience he already has at this age because of his amateur background, his athleticism, his skill set, everything he does, I think it is not a question of if he becomes a champion. It is a question of if he is a multiple division champion. And he may not go right to the title. He may take some setbacks. He may have a Charles Oliveira-esque run where he loses a little bit, has to find his way, but gets there. But I think this dude is going to hold gold and has a real shot to hold gold in multiple weight classes. What about so you? So that's, that's the dude. I mean, I want to show some love to the Kilmaine, first of all, but I'm kind of with Jed. I do think uh, this is a, not an easy win, but I do think this is Chris Curtis's ascension here. I think he will break into my top 10 finally, break into top 10. I'm so excited to see Chris Curtis officially be ranked in the only rankings that matter, the MMA fighting global rankings. So I'm pumped Of about which that. you are there. literally single-handedly holding him back Listen, from being in, but that's neither I love, I am unbiased, okay? That's how you know I am unbiased. I'm a huge fan of Chris Curtis. I, I, I like the man personally. When he, I celebrated when he was signed to the UFC, and then I, I'm celebrating his success with every win. Uh, but... I, I, I am I am an honest. I do not think he's done enough to enter the top team. But now he's facing a guy who's in our top ten. That's all it takes. That's it. That's, you know. So it's not. It's it, the math will sort itself out. I always tell people that. So anyway, I'm looking. Chris Curtis, who Chris Curtis, who is on this incredible win streak, has not done enough. Uh-huh. But Darren Till, who has won one fight and out of he, three at middleweight, and that was a and very he, contentious uh, decision. Uh, and, and who did he beat? Uh, someone else who has not won a fight in a very long time. Doesn't matter. They're both. Who have they lost to? To knock them I'm just out? saying. Yeah, that's that's a whole those other. Are the people who have done enough listen, to get it in your middleweight rankings. And Chris listen, Curtis is Sean, listen, uh, if listen you listen shiny. to Michael Bisping, Darren Till's still going to be a champion. He said that today in the press conference. Listen, Al he still believes a, Darren Till's going to be. We're a champion. on a short cycle. We're on a short cycle. There'll be a new ranking. <laughs> there, right? There'll be a new rankings episode in like two weeks, I think. So barely certain, will, this, shortly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. After the paper. So 
Yeah, this will sort itself out soon. So I'm looking forward to that. But anyway, Komen event. Jed is right though. There's just feels like there's very little buzz about it. I mean, there's a there's a, a European fighter on it, and he's probably going to have have you know just some people in the house just based on like geography. But it doesn't. The comments, it doesn't, the comments are coming. From I don't you, know. Right? I don't know right. that people care about Jack Hermanson either. Like, has anybody ever been like, hell yeah, Jack Hermanson? Let's. Go. I mean, just just that's the thing. It's just it's two of the nicest guys in all of MMA. Two of the most nicest, most inoffensive guys in all of MMA. Getting a a, a co-main event based on merit. Which is again in the eyes of the fans really doesn't mean a lot. There's <laughs> on a card like this that has so many other storylines. So yeah, that's great. Um, I'm really excited to see how Nathaniel Wood looks at featherweight. I thought he looked. Like, I thought he was like such a you know such a. I, I'm, I'm hesitant to use the word prospect because that's his nickname. But yes, he was a massive prospect at uh, feather at bantamweight. I think uh, going up to 145 like a permanent move can only help him. Um, he'll be giving up size in some matchups, but overall a really tight guy. And Charles Rosa, the perfect perfect guy to throw him in there with for his first uh, sort of official move up to uh 245 pounds so i'm excited about that otherwise um even the bottom of the card i'll, I'll show them some love to victoria leonardo mandy bomb and claudio silva nicholas dalby these could be two really fun fights to start off the card uh victoria leonardo just win or lose finds has a habit of either uh getting into really exciting 50 minute fights or ending up on someone's highlight reel. So uh, maybe, and maybe it'll go the other way this time for Victoria Leonardo. Maybe she finally gets the highlight reel knockout or submission or something. Either way, I think uh, people will have fun watching that fight. So yeah, great card top to bottom. So I'll just, uh, for anyone who missed it, I did say at the beginning, I think like if everything goes well, we're talking like a 9.6, 9.7, a card that could rival their first trip uh, to UFC London um, uh, as far as being the best fight nights of the year, best fight nights we've ever seen. But a lot has to go right. Um, and there could be uh could be a lot of heartbreak. I mean, I'll show I'll I'll agree. I'll show Chris Curtis this co-main event loves Chris Curtis, Jack Hermanson fight. Cause to me, Chris Curtis is one of the coolest stories running in MMA right now, just period. Like no one saw this coming. I don't even think Chris Curtis saw this coming. He wasn't even a, a middleweight. Like, this is just really out of nowhere. He was retired <laughs> multiple times. He wasn't a fighter. He wasn't a professional fighter like multiple times over the last like five years. He was done. It's tough to, tough to be a middleweight if you're not even a professional <laughs> fighter. So. It's wild, man. He is the perfect representation of how quickly things can change in the fight game and how just like year on year, the turnover is just ridiculous. Uh, but Jed, everything you said about Muhammad Mahayev, echo it 10,000%. This to me feels like a guy who, if not, is going to be a future champion soon as it is going to retire with a belt on around his waist at some point in his career. Like the flyweight division is wide open right now. I know we have a really fun thing going with Divas Figueredo, Brandon Moreno, Kai Kara France, but it feels like Muhammad Mahayev is going to get into that position. Uh, and probably sooner rather than later, Casey, let's get you in here too. What do you think? I mean, this is such a deep card. There's so much to choose from. What else do you have your eye on? Hi everybody. Um, hi Casey. Hi. Oh, oh, cards. Oh, like what I'm looking forward to. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, Pimbit, it's just a Patty. So we talked, we talked half the show has been about Patty and Jordan Levitt. And like, I didn't really, I don't really care about Patty, but it's just, all right, everyone's talking about it. It's kind of like watching a crappy movie that everyone's talking about. I was like, well, I guess I better watch it because I want to, I want to be in the conversation. <laughs> That's what I feel like with this whole Patty Pimlet thing. So, uh, uh, I'm still, oh, actually, oh, Ludovic Klein and Mason Jones. Actually, I, I, I'm still, I'm still high. Mason Jones, I'm, I still think of that. Uh, what was that? 
was that that crazy fight he was in? He lost Mike Davis. Mike Davis. And, yeah, Mike I, Davis. Yeah. I still love the that only fight. lost. Yeah, yeah, I still love that fight so much. And um, Ludovic Klein, I I feel like I'm still living off uh, his um, his kind of his his highlight real head KOs before he got into the UFC. So I'm hoping we get that sort of violence. But um, no, I'm just um, I'm excited about a daytime card. And I and um, yeah, and Nikita, you know Nikita Al Capone, Krylov is fighting. So um, yeah. It's the minor. The minor. The minor. He, doesn't the minor. Like, he doesn't like yeah, he, Al Capone. He doesn't like the Al Capone anymore. I know. He's not, he's uh, not listening. You can't, <laughs> you can't do that, though. He intentionally sent Sherdog a fight finder picture of him and an Al Capone. He dressed in you, it. Can't, <laughs> you can't just be like, I don't like that anymore. Like, that's so not much, how that works. So you got to own that forever, buddy. Yeah, he's Al Capone. I, Casey, I will say good call on the Mason Jones pick because, I mean, that's a guy who came into the UFC. He was a two-division champion in, in Cage Warriors. He was undefeated and then kind of like lost in the shuffle after a really tough year last year. So this is kind of his his way, his, his route back to, to getting maybe back some of that hype uh, that he came into the promotion with. Yeah. It's kind, of, uh, it's kind of, is he coming in on a loss or a win? I think no, he won his off last dub, fight, didn't he? he oh, oh, oh yeah. split, split decision with uh, Devontae. He, he David yeah. Onama. Yeah. Oh, Klein. No, Devontae. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And Onama. I, I, I that, was, that was a real, that was a real, like, you need to win this to, to keep your job type yeah. of fight too. So uh, he's, uh, yeah. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. To the question. Uh, but uh, let's uh, hear from the peeps. I'm sure I've been all right. seeing all these questions fly by this entire time. So it looks like we got a bunch. Yeah. Let's try um, to hit as many as we can in the next. I, I feel like we need to talk fire. about them and just real quick. Um, oops. Is that real quick? Uh, this one coming from Jonk, who says, Too bad Darren Till pulled out from this card. I, I yeah. Agree. I'm just trying to imagine because we know we're very high on this card. Imagine if Darren Till was on this card. It would just, I don't know, it would be almost too many storylines. So uh, just um, hope. What's his injury? Did he say it was just another one of those knee things again? I don't remember if he said or he, not. He's kind of been saying it's almost just like just so much wear and tear on him. He's just saying like, man, everything, just stuff keeps coming up because of how, I don't know, I guess how hard he pushed in training and the schedule he, he's kept. He up. trains with Hamzat. Hamzat's a killer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He said his body is brittle at this point, and that's not what you want to hear from someone. Yeah. Who, I mean, what is he? Is he in his early 30s, late 20s? Is he even? I bet he's 30. 29. Like, that's not what you want to yeah, hear from someone who's 29 years old, man. Yeah, that's good. So, um, I mean, Darren Till, you know, he's Darren Till, but it is it is kind of a bummer when he's not involved in this kind of, in the fight weeks. You know, I think I think we, we kind of miss it. <laughs> no, yeah. Not, yeah. So, I hope he gets back. I hope he gets back. Yeah, and, and with respect to Chris Curtis, like, the level of interest in in Till versus Hermanson compared to the level of interest now in Curtis versus Hermanson is, like, just night and day. Like, it's just yeah. completely yeah. different. Also, just I in mean, terms of the, the rhythm of the fight night. Curtis. Well, just like, in terms of the rhythm of the fight night, too. Like, having a Till walkout right after Pimblet, yeah. right after McCann, like, straight into Aspinall. Like, that would mm-hmm. be a really nice momentum of, you know, English yeah. fervor. Yeah, because it doesn't. It's not disrespectful to Curtis. Because if if Hermanson was the one who pulled out and Curtis stepped in, the fight would be equally as big. It's Darren Till is the show here, not Jack Hermanson or that or that fight. Even it's just Darren Till. Yeah. 
also honestly a little surprised Aaron Till Chris Curtis would be a fun ass fight. A little surprised they didn't make Patty the co-main event after that happened, but yeah, that's kind of hard placement. That's kind of why I want to bring up this comment. Uh, more uh, about the more about his pay, the Patty Pimblet pay. So this one's coming from Felix, who says Patty versus Levitt. There's no way this goes to the judges. Patty will fight ten out of ten wild. Oh no, I thought I thought this was I thought this. Oh, you thought he was saying he was getting paid ten, getting ten, ten, ten. I, I missed. No, 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 he's on a new contract. He's on a new contract. He's on a much richer contract now. He's making. I think he's once that, that barstool money, he's fine. Once that story yeah, came did. out about the purse salaries and like how much he made for that fight, um, I think he was quick to renegotiate that. Well, no matter what Patty is making, he might be. I would almost kind of kind of that Sean O'Malley in the sense that he might be one of the most underpaid, unranked fighters. You know, oh, by he's by yeah, far, like, definitely. Absolutely. Like Patty Pimblett, should be he is the most than, underpaid fighter in the yeah. UFC. Probably, there, there's no way he should, he's getting paid like what he should be getting paid for this event. There's just no way because, yeah. like I said, he's pretty much the number one name on this card. Uh, he's the draw. He's, I mean, the rest of the card is fantastic, but he is like the headliner, right? I, I, we think he's the headliner anyway, and I think a lot of fans would agree. So, yeah, he's yeah. bringing on a lot of eyeballs and should get paid accordingly. Yep. Yep. Uh, this one's coming from our good friend Joseph Bozo, who says, is this a case where the co-main event is bringing eyes? How much could the middleweight division be thrown into fun chaos if Chris Curtis beats number eight Jack Hermanson? Um, I mean, what do you fellas think? This doesn't feel to me, I mean, we hit it a little bit with the tilt stuff, but it this doesn't, doesn't feel like it's bringing eyes, but I do, no. I would like the chaos of Chris Curtis all of a sudden being a main player at middleweight. That would be very fun. Uh, I don't, I don't even think that's chaos, chaos. though. Yeah. yeah. Hermanson's just, just yeah. yeah, Hermanson's just a dude who's never going to fight for a belt. So mm-hmm. you're just moving that guy out of the top 10. I yeah. think that's just the natural progression, life cycle of a division. I think Joseph but means, it would I guess, be dope. to have a fun, I like, I guess it's just another new challenger. I guess that's what Joseph means. But other than that, like, it, yeah, it's not really chaotic. Chris Curtis has been trending upward, just up, 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 up. And this is the next, sort of the next step. So yeah, that's all. Yeah. Uh, this one's coming from yeah. our buddy Scott McCrate, who says, Mr. Finland early or Pierce if it goes past the first? This is a fight that's kind of going under the radar, guys. I mean, Makwan Amir Khani, Jonathan Pierce, how do you guys see it? We talked about it yesterday at BTL. Mike correctly called this the Loki banger of the weekend because this fight is uh, – maybe it lasts longer than five minutes, but there are five minutes of fighting in this fight because it's a Makwan Amir Khani fight. That dude is going to come out throwing everything he possibly can, and he's either going to submit – uh, Pierce, or he is going to gas himself into the the ether, and then Pierce just going to tool him up for however long it takes him to get a finish. So, this fight is going to be a really fun first round, and then probably if it gets out of that, it'll probably be pretty fun to just watch Pierce beat the hell out of Makwan Amir Khani, however long that takes. Yeah, I think Scott's. I mean, I think Scott's assessment is correct, though. Yeah, it's definitely. And I, I can't see Imer Khani winning a decision against uh, uh, P- JSP John Pierce. I mean, yeah, Pierce is man. He's he's really tough uh, for 15 minutes. Um, so I mean, I'm not going to give my pick. I think I'm probably leaning a bit towards Pierce, but uh, Makwan Amir Khani, his fight with um, Chris Grundy, that was he had he just become a dad. I forgot. Are we dealing with like dad Makwan now or something like that? Has he gotten? Has does he have dad power? I have no idea. Is that not, not a thing? Sure I, I swear he's he's now uh, he's now Papa fueled. So um, we could have tie we, that man down. You can't tie that we man could, down. Apparently you can. <laughs> apparently you can. That's this is a kind. This is a more mature, uh, uh, perhaps uh, uh, single minded 
no longer on the prowl. Maquan Armor. I don't know. I don't know why we say these. <laughs> what is going on? I, I don't know what's right happening. <laughs> but uh, this could be. Listen, that I, that win over Grundy, I thought was really great. And who knows? Perhaps he's turned over a new leaf. So uh, maybe we're wrong. Maybe Maquan can go a hard fifteen minutes now. I don't know. Again, that's really has been his need to. in the past. I'm taking. I'm taking Maquan to win in the first. Ooh, well, there you go. But I mean, because. Yeah. Joe Lozon's also a really fast starter, and he just obliterated Pierce in like 90 seconds. I think Mongorn can just do the same thing, like the exact same thing Joe Lozon did. That's what I'm picking to happen. There you go. Uh, let me ask you, fellas, because I'm going to go off the board for this next one, uh, yeah. because I've seen I've seen a bunch of people sort of talking about it and asking about it throughout the show. Alexander Gustafson is on this card, uh, and no know, one man. has said oh, yeah. a single word about <laughs> Alexander Gustafson all that, that, week. That was my next question. I was bringing it there up. There we go. It, that up. it used to be a, a big deal when we got an Alexander Gustafson fight. He, even once he started his losing streak, he was still someone that you knew he was going to be on that card. I feel like you asked 99% of MMA fans, they would have no idea he's on this card. It's actually his first fight since that Verdum thing at heavyweight like two years ago. Where where do you where are you guys at with Gustafson? Like, is this story written and, and done? Does he he's only thirty five? Like, is there a chance we could see some sort of Glover Teixeira type of thing from him, or is this just kind of well? Sorry, man, this is your legacy. You are who you are, and it's kind of over for you. I don't know about that, but he's he's winning on Saturday. Oh, okay. I'm willing to go there. He's winning on Saturday. Yeah, I just think he's a better fighter than Nikita Krylov. Nikita Krylov is so exciting. I mean, a guy that's, again, generally, except for that one time with Glove Deshera, which I thought was like the most guaranteed finish ever, uh, generally his fights either end in knockout of Smith, him getting knocked out of Smith or him knocking out of Smith the other guy. He's versatile. He's exciting for sure. But I'm, I, I just have to look at how Gus, like Gus's shortcomings, the, the heavyweight fight, the one heavyweight fight he took the last time we saw him, senseless, never, never should have done it. Like the war, dumbest idea to fight a guy he like did Virginia. not look good physically Horrible. beforehand or in the cage. Going into it, everyone was like, "Why is he doing this?" Going out of it, we were all like, "Why did that happen?" Horrible <laughs> matchup. It was a it was just a horrible move. It, and not that not necessarily that he shouldn't try heavyweight, but like that particular matchup at that stage in his career, we're like, "No, why and, don't and do this?" And going against it, that was still Verdum. That was Verdum, yes, too. Yes, that's that's a tough, that's a really tough fight. Just he's a big, pretty like, big heavyweight too. Like, like, like Verdum's Gus, a pretty big like, heavyweight. Maybe guesses him a heavyweight versus Parker Porter. Sure, maybe, like, maybe that one have more there's, proper matchup. There's, wow. there's a bunch of heavyweight. No, sorry, sorry about the Parker Porter disrespect. There's okay, a bunch of heavyweights out under catching strays. <laughs> there's <laughs> a bunch of heavyweights that Gus could beat. Verdum at that stage of the careers was not one of them. Yeah, um, but I mean, look, two two fights ago, John Jones. Okay, yeah, it was a bad performance, but I think John Jones that was one of his best performances. Anthony Smith. You know, again, not the worst thing to lose to Anthony Smith. We know how good Anthony Smith is now. So I know it looks bad. You can look at his recent resume and some of the struggles he's had. Um, but his I, last I, I win is Glover Teixeira. Like, he, like his was, last win is Glover Teixeira. That was, was five years ago. ago. Alexander Gustafson has not won in five years. But I know. five years ago, he knocked out Glover Teixeira. Glover Teixeira yes. is the champion, right? Or was the champion, right? I and and I don't like, even think he needs he needs to be that good to beat Krilov. Like, I think he he if we get like 80% of that, 75%. I think that's pretty good. So I, I think we'll see a kind of a renewed Gus. I think this is the right thing to do. Uh, I don't know if he. Has, I don't know how much of a run he has left, but I think he'll at least get one more win. I think that's that's going to happen on Saturday. Is there a chance if Gus loses? Is this it? Do we never see him again? Maybe. I don't know. I thought I thought it was already this? done, but then yeah. he keeps keeps like half retiring and then coming back. And I don't know why. I don't know if he has. That's my concern here. Because yeah, everything AK says is right. He's a better fighter on paper than Nikita Krylov. If he cares, if he wants to be a fighter, he hasn't won in five years. He hasn't fought in two. 
And who the hell has any idea what Gus is coming into this with? If he is super motivated and focused, I would say he still has a chance to make a run at the belt, mainly because he tuned up Glover Teixeira, who was 26 seconds or whatever the hell it was from retaining the light heavyweight title. And I don't think that that fight would be substantively different tomorrow, assuming Gus is, you know, is here to fight. So it's like, he could do it. Just does he want to? No clue. We're going to find out. But it's super weird that he's, he's not the co-main. This is the dude who arguably claimed the closest of any human being alive to winning a UFC title without actually winning it twice. (laughs) Two times he damn near won the belt. Like the only other person I can think like that is Gray Maynard over and the and the Frankie Edgar fights, but like yeah. he Same was that though, yeah. close. He was that close two times to winning the title, and just came up short. And Against like now the two greatest even, light heavyweights ever, by the yeah, way, in their prime, and, like in the their best moments of their career, yeah. more or less. And now he's he's not he is not even the co-main event to Jack friggin' Hermanson. Like what are we doing? That is wild. <laughs> Not only is he not the co-main, he's like an un- afterthought. Again, I don't think that most MMA fans know that Alexander Gustafson's fighting for the first time in two years tomorrow. It, it wasn't until his name started popping up on the comments that I was like, what? Then I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, guys, we're talking about this card, not some, oh, wait, yeah. Card. I was like, all right. <laughs> it's weird, man. It's going to be weird. I mean, he might go down as one of the most tragic sort of careers that we've seen in this era, if we're being real. Or, just, or maybe just he's just Buffalo Bills of – you know, the lightweight division, you know, just almost, you know. Man, MMA narratives are so funny because I agree that that could be a tragic career, but also, like, nobody thought he was going to have the career he's had at the start. Like, we all laughed. We all laughed at him being a title challenger. It was a big joke because Phil Davis rolled him up. Yeah, I was thinking that too. And it was just like, oh, he's tall. Oh, tall is going to be the problem for John Jones. And he almost did the damn thing in a Hall of Fame fight or whatever, and that changed his entire career. MMA narratives are a strange thing. But uh, Go for it, Casey. Oh, but Does this really come down to just motivation from Gustafson, or is there yeah. is there just a weird timeline where just maybe Gustafson is just – he just got lucky, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't – or is it just not lucky, just – just just showed up showed up on like DC I, I mean I think Jones worst night. I think Prime Gustafson was an exceptional fighter. I just feel like we are so far removed from Prime Gustafson, whether it was motivation or damage or a buildup of both. I think you get to both of those title fights and get that damn close where you're like milliseconds away from actually doing something and then it gets taken away from you. Like that's gotta affect your spirit and your motivation and your drive to such a profound level, especially then because like he's had really tough losses in Sweden. Every time they book him in Sweden, he gets knocked oh, out yeah. like like brutally. And it's just like ever since he had those those title losses, he is just nothing's really gone right for him. And I think at a certain point, you're only human, right? Like you're you you can only just keep doing this so long before you're just like, man, it just it's not happening. So I don't know. I mean, it's tough. It's it's a very tough situation. And I think there's a good chance we may never see him fight again if he loses. I think he might be a bit of an overachiever where yes. when when he is not the focus because the Sweden stuff, like he's the guy that it's built around. When he has the spotlight on him, when the expectations are with him, he has largely not shown up. Whereas when he's not, when it's – this is Daniel Cormier is going to run through Gustafson because they're just going to get back to the Jones fight. He showed the – up when it's John Jones showed up, like that's – I think that maybe that's just it. And so – 
maybe this is good for him because there aren't a lot of expectations for him against Krylov this weekend because no one has any idea what they could even expect from him at this point. And remember that yeah. when he fought DC, it was coming off the humiliating uh-huh. loss to Anthony Johnson. Yeah, like it wasn't like he got it was it was the weirdest fight that to even be booked, and a UFC just you know got extremely lucky again with having and an then, amazing fight. But that fight should have never been made. <laughs> the knee that he hit DC with would knock out ninety nine out of yeah. hundred light heavyweights. Like DC Dude, just has a legendary have, chin. I would have knocked out DC on most nights too. Like that thing was as clean as you're ever going to hit someone. Almost did. Just, Almost did too. God and hope kept DC conscious right there. Like <laughs> I don't even know how he was honestly. So, uh, uh, all right, we are running long. So let's do one more and then we'll get more, out of here. Uh, we got, haven't talked uh, about Molly McCann at all, which is wild to me. Oh, here we go. There you go. I am. Uh, Pick me. Pick <laughs> me, Michael. <laughs> this question's coming from Michael, who says, "Anyone betting against Meatball?" Uh, Jed, do you know how big of a favorite she is right now? Oh, I sure do. Do you know or do you want me to tell you the answer? I don't know, so I would love to hear it. I know she's minus, a huge favorite right now. Minus 435 on DraftKings at the moment. That is wild. Wow. Wow. We, well, everything we said about Patty Pimblett, like double for Molly. And Molly's probably a better fighter than Patty Pimblett, but there is not a soul alive that she should be a minus 400 favorite over inside well, the UFC cage. Hold on. You also have to factor in Jordan Levitt is a much better fighter than Hannah Goldie is. Sure, but minus four hundred. I'm just I, saying that th- that's what's different about the situations, though. Is like I know we're saying like skill wise, whatever Molly and if you want to compare them, but you really if you compare their opponents and Hannah Goldie, I, I know we, we I think uh, I don't know if it was on, on between the links or another show you're talking with this Jed, like and and we talk about this all the time. We love athleticism. We love athleticism. It doesn't get much more fit and athletic than Hannah Goldie. I mean, she's probably. I'm, I'm talking about men or women, one of the 10 most fit fighters in the UFC. It's insane. Uh, and that's great. And that can take you a long way. I, 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 but I really think like the skill deficit here is actually is actually pretty big. Um, I think Molly is going to win a really convinced – I don't think she gets the highly real KO. But she, if anything, I think she's going to kind of style on Goldie for like three rounds. Um, but I get it. There is val- of course, there's value in bidding on Goldie when you have odds like that. But um, I think I, I, I think, think the she odds is a sense. better fighter. I think absolutely Molly McCann is a better fighter and will probably win. But I threw a shot at on Hannah Goldie because she's plus three seventy or whatever yeah. number it is. It's something, and that makes sense. That makes sense. Molly McCann just shouldn't be this big a favorite. And check out my gambling column, which should come out I think either in like 15 minutes or pretty soon. If you're really feeling frisky and just being the worst possible fan, uh, I, I took what I'm calling the hometown fade parlay uh, this week. So I, I never parlay underdogs. Bad choice. But I parlayed Curtis Blaze, Jordan Levitt, and Hannah Goldie just for the maximum lulls. And it pays to like plus 3,000 or something <laughs> dumb like that. So Wow. If you guys really want to fade all the Brits, go for it. I was don't fade Mason Blades, Hannah, and Levitt. Yeah, don't fade Mason Jones or or Wood. Both of them are going to win. But that's like the other ones. Are, have are you being real with lose. plus three thousand? Is that how high I, that gets I, to? I can look it up. I, all uh, three of those could very conceivably right. happen. Le- Le- Levitt, uh, Goldie, and who else? I'll figure it out. Uh, Levitt, Goldie, and Blades. Let Let me figure it out while you guys talk about this fight as you want, and I'll get you your exact number. Well, I think we're good. McCann, McCann is one of my locks, though, I will say. is definitely one of my locks to win on Saturday. Plus 3068, Sean. 
3068 wow. if you parlay those three together. Wow. That's yeah. all right. I don't think I it's going to cash, but I I took a shot on it. I think why, McCann's why a lock. not? It's That's, funny. That, there's no such thing as a, as a lock in MMA. I get it, but I think McCann's a lock. I'm just trying to think of all of all the fighters whom I'm. Oh, uh, Makayev, I would be really confident about, obviously. Um, McCann. That's about it. McCann's your lock of the night, though. McCann is your lock of the night. I mean, Makayev, Makayev probably. Though I do think Charles Johnson is. Mike Heck has been uh, pumping Charles Johnson's tires for a while, so he's just saying like that's going to be a good scrap. He has picked Makayev, but he has said that like Charles Johnson's it's going to be a, a, a much more competitive scrap than I think people think. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I don't know. I don't know enough about Charles Johnson to be honest. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it'd be I'd have Makayev, McCann, and frankly, actually Chris Curtis. That'd be like my three most. See, like, Chris, Chris yeah. Curtis is probably the one outside of Makayev, but McCann is the second biggest favorite on the card, not behind Makayev. Would you care to guess who's a bigger favorite? AK. I'm looking right now. I'm not looking at the odds. I'm looking at the names. So you said you said Makai is, is only this. Is it Nathaniel Wood? Uh, Sean has nailed it. Wood is okay. the biggest favor on the card, minus six hundred. McCann That's right. that feels uh, right. is is number three behind Makai, who is minus five twenty, and then it is McCann at minus four thirty. Wood is the biggest favorite of all of everyone. Ooh. Uh yes, Wood is minus six hundred. Wow. Okay. Okay. Then, then Makai. Then McCann. Then you've got Daikizi and uh, uh, Mason Jones are both pretty close to minus four hundred. So on the topology, just straight pickums. Um, Hannah Goldie is only eight percent of people are picking Hannah Goldie, and I mean, there's value on McCann then. Yeah, <laughs> and Charles Rosa. Do, Charles I'm Rosa is only seven percent. Actually, Charles Rosa, Johnson, and Nelson are all only at seven percent. People are picking them. So, Nelson's um, at seven percent over Jai Herbert. Yeah, just people know about Jai Herbert. What do people know about Jai Herbert that I don't know? He almost killed Ilya Tapuria, who's like really damn good, and I think that that's almost it. Andy's almost. A- Andy's English. Yeah, and then he got deaded, like deaded, deaded. So, but they're forgetting that part. Interesting. Andy's right. Andy's English, so you know. All right, All right. and real, real, well, that last thing, real quick, real quick. Look at that. <laughs> it's coming from EDMSK. How does it seem to Tommy Aspen? How does it go again? It's on the team. help, help, help uh, Jed, help, Jed, lead me with lead, lead it. Tommy Aspen. Tommy Aspen. Just pull up the audio. All right. This is stalling out. I'm calling it end of this. Nope. We're, not gonna hear, we're not going to hear it on uh, Saturday after the main event anyway. So, Ooh, No, you'll hear it before. <laughs> you hear it before the event. I'm just kidding. I love English people. You'll, he- you'll uh. hear it during the co-main event. You'll hear it during the co-main event. Uh, second poll, how does Patty Pimblett versus Jordan Levitt end? 46% Pimblett finish. 46% mm-hmm. Pimblett finish. 32% Levitt finish. So huge chunk thinks that this is not going to a decision. Uh, and then 9% Pimblet by decision, 13% Levitt by decision. So. Love it. Fight will right. be fun. It will be fun. There's the music. It's been fun, gentlemen. This is a spectacular looking card that we have for a fight night. Uh, I can't wait for more morning fights. And I can't wait to see. Fight day. Fight day. Yes. <laughs> it's a little breakfast, a little, little tea. A little English eggs. breakfast? You going to do the English. full English? I'm not going to go full English, but I'll go a little tea, little little eggs. Some morning fights, some bloodshed. It'll be great times. Uh, I can't wait for it. Thank you, Je- thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. That man is Jed Mashu. You got AK Lee over there, the best producer in the business, the undefeated EKC Layden. Uh, we'll be back 
tomorrow. We got AK hosting the pregame, and then uh, I'll be hosting the postgame, and it'll be fun. I hope you guys tune in. In the meantime, enjoy your Friday, enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you back here tomorrow night. Love you guys. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.